If you don't feel like you're in a position to say, yeah, I, you know, I can't really buy in my market and really to save $20,000 is not an easy task, right? $20,000 is a lot of money, but figure it out, right? Like figure out what you need to do in your life to, to get that 20K and pull the trigger. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Who uh, would have expected Facebook and Instagram to be down? Yeah, I was uh, grabbing some food and then my wife was like, uh, Instagram's not loading for me. I'm like, yeah, I, guess, mm. I guess it's been down like all for the last three hours or something like that. So I'd never gotten your phone number. So I'm like, crap, I don't know how to talk to Craig. Yeah, for real. There, man. So, <laughs> um, well, cool, man. Well, thanks for agreeing to chat with me and to do this. Yeah, of course, man. I, uh, been, yeah, I've been following you for a while. I don't know how I landed on your page. Um, but yeah, it was like, I want to say like six months ago, eight months ago. I'm not sure, but, um, well, yeah, glad, you, good stuff. glad we connected, man. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. It's a funny thing to have, uh, you know, like, uh, social media only acquaintances and friendships, you know, and then, and then you end up on a call like this together. So yep, I'm, I know. I'm excited to progress the relationship and <laughs> figure out what you're up to and what you're, what you're about. So, Let's do so that's it. the, that's the point of this. So we can just kind of get right into it, man. So, um, give me, give me the quick bio on Craig, man. Where are you from? How'd you get to where you're at? And where are you at? Yeah. So, uh, come from a small town just outside of Sacramento. Uh, I own California in Amador County. There's about 7,000, the population of 7,000, um, including the prison uh, that is within wow. the, uh, the, the town boundaries. So, yeah, really, really small town. Is that um, anywhere near Gridley? Do you know Gridley? I want to say Gridley's up is up north. Okay. Um, towards to the Chico. Yeah. Chico, Susanville. Uh, yeah, that area. Um, All right. yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, made it, made it out to Utah. Been here for about 10, 11 years. I went to BYU, studied there and, uh, yeah, here we are. Cool, man. So who's we, you're married, you have a family. Yep. Married, got two kids, um, got a one-year-old and a three-year-old, um, and, uh, two boys. So keeps life very interesting. Um, but yeah, my, my wife, she's from Indiana and she went to BYU, met there, um, okay. met through mutual friends and dated for a couple of years, got married and been married for seven years now. Seven years. That was my next question. Okay, man. Impressive. Um, that's great. So where in Utah are you guys at, by the way? We're in Saratoga Springs. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we, we built here we moved in, uh, to our new home in, in March. Um, it was in Provo, Lehigh, Farmington for two year stint. And then, uh, now in Saratoga. So you moved in in March of this year? This year. Yep. Okay. Yep. So your home, so your home has already doubled in price then? Yeah. Yeah. So we locked right? our price in last June, um, of 2020. And oh, so that, uh, might not be, that might not be much of a joke. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I, I would say, uh, so we, we built the house for 488 all in. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I mean, I would say it's probably, it probably estimated value for me. It'd be about six, 650 K around there. 
So wow. yeah, it's unbelievable what the market's done. And yeah, it's good to have uh, locked our, our price in last yeah. year. Yeah. Well, I want to get into talking about real estate a little bit. Tell me uh, first what you do in tech sales. So currently I'm a director of sales at Pluralsight. Um, okay. And uh, I'm in the commercial business. So employee size, we work with companies of employee size, like 500 up to 3,000, 4,000. Uh, and so I've uh, been there for just over three years. Um, this is my first year in a leadership role. So tell us what Pluralsight does. Pluralsight is, uh, helps uh, companies uh, upskill their tech employees. Um, that's probably the the simplest way to put it. But uh, yeah, we, we sell technical training to other companies. And so okay. from data scientists, engineers, uh, developers, uh, you name it, anyone within a technical area can take training on Pluralsight to skill up, align the skill development to the priorities of the business uh, to make sure they have a true skills pipeline to, to succeed. So I'm curious, does Pluralsight create the training content as well as they are the platform for it? Yep. Yep. Got it. So okay. Pluralsight creates the training. Um, and then uh, what's what's cool about it, in, in my opinion, is you can hop onto Pluralsight, take a skill assessment and a training of, of or in a technology of your choice that you maybe use on a daily basis. You get a score between zero and 300. Um, and then it takes it another step further and says, here's your strengths, here's your weaknesses, um, and here's some bite-sized chunks in order to close on your skill gaps. So pretty interesting. Hmm. That's cool. Um, what What's fun about it for you? Um, I think sales is fun. Um, it, it, it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, equate to the most uh, stress-free uh, life. But I would say sales is, uh, I mean, it's, it's the hunt, right? Um, yeah. And then closing a deal, there's, there's, I mean, there's not a whole lot of uh, feelings out there that can compare to closing a deal and, and having that win and that satisfaction. And then, of course, um, you know, succeeding for your team, for your family, and, uh, and for the company. That's great, man. Um... Yeah, from what little I know about Pluralsight, um, I understand there's some pretty awesome people there, like just some high caliber human human capital. I'm sure you get to rub shoulders with some impressive people. Yes, yes, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's it's definitely changed my life. Um, you know, with a little you know three years that I've been there. Um, so yeah, definitely grateful for the time. Wow, that's great, man. Yeah, salespeople like my. I'm a salesperson, you know, and have a love for the game, but it's, I would say somewhat recently, my perspective on salespeople, we'll say, or, or the role that sales plays has evolved to be even greater and grander than before. Before it was how much I love sales and how much good there can come from salespeople that do sales the right way. Um, it's expanded to be like, honestly, salespeople are the heartbeat of the economy. And like, there's this ethical, uh, like duty. Okay. For people that can sell to sell. 
and for people who can't sell to learn to sell. Like I just, um, yeah. So I'm trying to instill that in even my kids at this age, like, Hey, sales, it's not like this scrappy thing you might learn to do. It's like, man, to be able to transfer belief from one human to another and uh, to transact goods and services, it's like, it's, it's a holy art. It's a sacred art, man. So um, yeah, I like that you're passionate about sales. I am as well. And uh, I think more people would be served to embrace sales in a similar way that I've just mentioned, like to really love it for the art that it is and to appreciate that it's very valuable. Um, it's critical, actually. And uh, it's something that AI can't completely replace, right? Like, like the persuasion uh, that exists in the art of selling uh, is very human. So, um, okay. So that's cool. So Craig, tell me about your real estate game because the little that we've talked, you're excited about real estate, growing your real estate portfolio. Sounds like you're... Uh, what can you tell me about that? Yeah. So it's, it's really my passion. Um, I mean, sales is, is definitely something I'm passionate about, but um, I feel like real estate uh, is, is something I do. I mean, it, it's, it's really fun uh, for me. And, and also on the investment side, it, it also provides for the family as well. So it's, a, it's kind of a win-win um, on, the, on the side hustle front. But I would say, you know, in, in, when it comes to real estate, um, I'll take it back when uh, my wife and I, we, we just, we, we got married in, in 2014. We had zero money. Like our bank account was at zero uh, when we got married. Like I spent money on the ring. I spent money on the wedding. Of course, our parents helped us out a little bit. But, you know, starting uh, in, in May of 2014, we didn't really have a dollar to our name. And so uh, really had to hustle, be scrappy. And, you know, I started reading, you know, some, some self-help books, uh, self-development, uh, read rich dad, poor dad. I think it's kind of like the gateway to, to real estate. Um, a lot of the real estate mentors or friends or colleagues, whatever that are, that are into real estate, they say, you know, that's kind of the, the book that's helped open their mind to, uh, that world and, and, assets and liabilities, you know, breaking it mm -hmm. down, helping you making sure that your money makes you more money. And so we, we bought our first house, um, uh, after living in friends houses and our parent and my wife's parents house for a few months, um, 3% down FHA loan. Um, and we put six grand down and we house hacked, uh, we rented out the, it was actually, we moved into the basement, remodeled the basement had tenants upstairs. And then, uh, as soon as we remodeled the basement, we moved upstairs, ran in the basement. And then, uh, we, we actually Airbnb our spare bedroom, uh, while living at the house. So it was like tenants in the wow. basement, Airbnb, the bedroom. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years, we did, we did that all over again. Um, in Lehigh, we moved to Lehigh, we rented out the basement. Um, basically started from scratch again, put all our money as like 19 K down on this house in Lehigh. Um, that was in 2016 and, uh, yeah, house hacked again. Um, and then, uh, just kind of been, we, we bought another house in Farmington. Uh, and then in 2020, that's where I finally had enough funds to purchase 
and just a through and through investment property. Didn't have enough money to buy in Utah. Um, the market was getting uh, really inflated, in my opinion. That was in 2020, and now it's pretty much you know just bonkers. Um, so Steph's from Indiana. So looked out in Indiana. Looked at tons of different markets across the United States, um, and figured out that Indiana was was the place to be. Um, figured we'd be going out there for visiting family. She's got tons of family out there um, still, aunts, uncles, grandparents. And Indiana has really landlord uh, landlord friendly laws. Um, price to rent ratio is is really good. Um, and I see the city, city of Indianapolis on a upward trend in, in terms of, uh, you know, lots new, you know, it's, it's getting injected with, uh, some, some tech, uh, investments. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's going to go up, um, here over the next five to 10 years. So purchased the first one in 2020, um, and then ended up getting, uh, four total properties in Indiana. Um, by January of, of 2021. So um, yeah, that's kind of how we, we got into it. It's been a long road um, and lots of uh, research, you know, just on bigger pockets, learning as much as I possibly can. Instagram, YouTube, I mean, just trying to figure out this uh, real estate thing and, and taking risks, I feel like is, is kind of the, the biggest theme of my journey in real estate. And so now I'm I'm a licensed agent in Utah, um, and I, I got my my uh, my license last year in in 2020. Um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, where we're at today. That's cool. No, I loved all that detail, man. That's really cool. So I like that you call it house hacking. I guess I wasn't really aware of that term, um, and I'm interested that you Airbnb'd a bedroom on the level you were living in. Did you have any? exciting adventures with that any <laughs> weird stories man um, i don't know if my wife would crazy. be on board with that <laughs> no yeah we this was before we had kids um and and so when we we didn't we dropped the airbnb thing we moved we moved to lehigh and we had our first kid and um but yeah i mean just lots of you know people that are the, the room was so cheap so we'd get people that like you know basically are you know the, the camping type um just like <laughs> They're, they're on road trips and they'd either go to a campsite or maybe a, a cheap Airbnb and we were that cheap Airbnb and okay. um, nothing too crazy. I mean, we had a couple, we had a couple from Taiwan. So that was interesting. I mean, they, they full blown, it was the only Airbnb guest to full blown cook in our kitchen. The rest just kind of stick to the room and then bounced whatever, but they were making just some, uh, some Taiwanese food. I mean, just the aromas, the smells still our whole house. So that was, uh, that was interesting, but great people. Yeah. That's cool. That's sweet, man. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, of everything you said, kind of what I want to ask you about. So you, you mentioned taking risk. I think that there's a lot of, you know, barriers people, uh, create for themselves or at least barriers that they allow to remain in their mind around getting into investing in properties, especially at a young age. And one of those is just a deep-seated risk aversion and uh, pessimism about the direction of the market or the direction of the world. Um, I think that holds a lot of people back. So I'm curious, would you say that you have really had that ability to 
take calculated risks and take the leap? Is that something that's been a part of you for a long time or do you have to develop that? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I I don't feel like I had to, you know, I'm not completely risk averse. Um, I, I would say like I'm I'm more than willing to take a risk. Um, and my my brother, my my oldest brother asked me the question, he's like, hey, like what what actually got you over the hump to actually pull the trigger on buying a house that you've never seen? I haven't seen any of these properties in Indiana that 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 I own. Um, haven't been there. Um and he's like, what, what got you over that hump? And I said, well, uh, it's, it's knowing the numbers and sticking to the, the math, right? Behind, is this going to be a beneficial investment or not? And I had a little bit of, you know, had some experience here, you know, the house hacking, right? And, and buying our first house and our second house in Lehigh. Um, getting a, a taste of that landlord life. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people say, Oh, I just don't want to be a, a landlord. I don't want to have a be called in the middle of the night and fix a leaky or, you know, a flooding toilet or leaky faucet, whatever. I mean, it's been like six, seven years. I've never once had a call in the middle of the night from a tenant. Um, and uh, it's just kind of, I think it's these fears that people make up themselves when it's like run the numbers, if the numbers make sense, pull the trigger, right? Um, and, and try to take your emotions out of it as much as you can. Um, and and I think definitely trust goes a long ways, right? Like you have to trust the people that you work with. Like in Indiana, you know, I've kind of built my own team with property managers, uh, contractors, lenders, insurance guy. Like get to know those people, build the trust, and then um, you know, take, take the leap. Mm. So, so what I'm hearing is have a framework for the math. You gotta, you know, understand what, what constitutes a healthy deal and trust yep. the math and then, uh, yeah, leveraging a good team. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So do you, do you have property managers for the Utah properties as well, or just the Indiana ones? Um, so we just have the Lehigh house, um, here in Utah and I self-manage that. Um, oh, it's, it. it's not that difficult. Um, and, but we have a, yeah, a, a team, a property management team out in Indiana. Cool. Cool. Um, so do you have a, how clear are you on what your big game is with real estate? Do you want to have a bunch of properties that you buy and hold? Do you know yet? What do you, what do you think the big picture looks like? Yeah. The big picture is actually to hopefully replace, I mean, to, to at one point get to a point where I'm, I'm replacing my W2 income with uh, buy and hold cash flow. Um, and, and our goal actually in, in building a new house was to say, look, we're not going to build a new house uh, and, and move into a new house until we have enough rental property cash flow to cover the mortgage. And so we, we got to that point um, and that's, you know, we, we felt confident enough to say, look, let's, let's buy a house. And, you know, with, between all the, the different properties we have, um, it, it covers our mortgage. So um, yeah, that's, uh, and, and re- yeah, the, the long game is, is hopefully, I mean, my, my target goal is to be 
not necessarily retire, but be in a place where I could retire if I wanted to from my day job by the time I reach 40. Um, I, I just turned, turned 32 um, last month. And so I, I feel like in eight years, I feel like it's enough runway for me to say, look, I've, I've got enough here on my rental and real estate side to then cover whatever I'm doing on, as my day job. That's cool, man. I love that you have clarity on that. And uh, yeah, hope, hopefully that's inspiring to uh, to people that hear that story, just to hear that you know you just figured it out. You started really small and you, you're already on a trajectory where you believe that in eight years from now, you can be financially uh, retired. You could be um, self-sustaining and, and have that residual income sufficient to cover your lifestyle for the, for the foreseeable future. It's awesome. And what would you say to someone who um, just feels like, man, I don't make enough money. I don't make as much money as Craig does over there at Pluralsight, like to even get to one property. Like I just, I don't know how I'm going to get to to property number one. It feels like that's so far away. What what would be your advice? Well, yeah, I was in the same position. I mean, I, I I'd look around and I see all these Utah investors that have ten properties in Utah, and I'd be like, man, I'm like, that's you know, way out of my league. Um, these guys, you know, they, they must be rich, right? Or they, they must have some secret formula that, that I don't know. Um, and so I, I just was, I was like, all right, well, if I can't afford Utah, then I'm going to find a market that I can't afford. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you can find a property in, in Indy, Indianapolis or outlying areas in Indiana for 100K, um, 20% down plus closing costs. You're looking at like, 23, 24K out of pocket for a property that can net cash flow between you know around $400, $500 a month. So uh, it's, it, you know, if, if you're, if you don't feel like you're in a position to say, I, you know, I can't really buy in my market, um, you know, who's, and really to save $20,000 um, is not an easy task, right? $20,000 is a lot of money, but you know, Hey, figure it out. Right. Like if you don't feel like you're in a position to say, I, you know, I can't really buy in my market. Um, you know, who's and really to save $20,000, um, is not an easy task, right? $20,000 is a lot of money, but you know, Hey, figure it out, right? Like figure out what you need to do in your life to, to get that 20 K and, and pull the trigger. Right. Yeah. So, so if someone's just starting out, you could say, all right, set your sights on, save up 20 grand. Is 20 grand shooting at shy? I mean, do you really need 25 when, when all said and done to get into uh, something? Yeah. 25K is, yeah, pretty, yeah, that's, that's a conservative amount. Yeah. Yeah. So find a property that's about 100 grand that doesn't need to be, you know, because are these properties, I'm guessing they didn't need a ton of work. These aren't like, really old things you had to go rebuild or are they? Yeah. I mean, these are, I mean, it's not a, by any means new house. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a number of these properties were built in 1950, 1960, um, 70, like it's, they're, they're older properties, but they would be considered more or less turnkey. Right. Um, you know, you might have to do paint or, you know, carpet paint or, or something along those lines that you know, the out-of-pocket costs are going to be a you thousand, know, maybe $2,000. But, but yeah, give or take, uh, 
give or take turnkey. Cool. That's great, man. No, it's, uh, it's fun to hear that you're doing that. So kind of in a, in a, a tangent subject, but with the hacking theme, you said that you are into credit card hacking and that that's something fun that you've gotten into. So teach me a little bit about credit card hacking, man. Yeah. So, uh, again, this kind of just goes back to the idea of, of, uh, you know, I feel like I've had to hustle or or get scrappy, right. To, to do the things that we wanted or that we want to do. And so we've, we've traveled to 13 countries, um, multiple States uh, across the, the nation and, you know, Hawaii almost every year. Um, and the majority of that travel has been spent, uh, has been made possible through credit card points. Um, so the whole idea here is cycling through credit cards in order, you know, you sign up for a credit card, you've got in the first three months to spend $3,000 on that credit card and you get a, a bonus of, we'll say a hundred thousand points, right? Is it, there's a really awesome, uh, sign up bonus right now for the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. Again, $3,000 within the first three months, and you get 100,000 points in the Chase Travel Rewards. So, what that means is that that's going to equate to around $1,300 in points towards travel. So, I mean, where could you go? 50% more uh, when they're redeemed through the Chase portal, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the, for the Chase Sapphire Reserve, they're 50%. For the Preferred, they're 25%. So, um, you, I mean, that's, that's $12,500 or $1,250 that you can spend on travel, whether it's a flight, rental car, hotel. Um, you know, we, we actually, uh, right after we first got married, we backpacked Europe for three weeks. Um, and, one of the sign-up bonuses for the Hyatt credit card at the time was you can spend two nights anywhere in the world at any Hyatt. So what did we do? We spent two nights for free, technically, at the Paris Hyatt Vendome, which goes for like $900, $1,000 a night. Um, this is like right in the middle of Paris, one of the nicest hotels in Paris um, for free while we were while we were in Paris. And so... Um, yeah, it's, it's afforded us the, the chance to see these places, to travel, um, and, and stay at nice resorts without having to, to pay the out of pocket, just, you know, straight up cash. Wow. That's cool. It's really cool. So, um, yeah. So your day to day, do you have a day to day card that you use right now for your personal and day to day for your business? Do you have all your kind of tying questions together, but do you have all your uh, real estate holdings in, is, is that a company that you run all your expenses through just one company? Yeah. So we, so working, uh, having a good accountant is uh, worth its weight in gold. Um, so I, I have an accountant out here in Utah. Um, and after, you know, after consulting with him, what we did was we structured an LLP, not an LLC, uh, an LLP, it's limited liability partnership between my wife and I. Um, and so what it's basically the same thing as an LLC, but it's just between you and your, your wife or your significant other. Um, my wife has um, her own side, her, her own business, 
um, that she does, uh, and it's as it relates to personal training and, and fitness and things. And so what we do is, is we have, um, all the funds or the write-offs, um, we basically write off everything that we possibly can towards our LLP. Um, and that's how we, we have my rental properties, her business all funneled, uh, to this partnership. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. So if someone uh, doesn't have any credit cards right now, I actually have a couple uh, younger friends, uh, one that I'm coaching and, and one that uh, was just a friend that we were talking to in Florida. He's like, dude, I don't even have, you know, he has like a credit card. It was just like the Chase Freedom card or something, but he wanted to, you know, start doing some kind of credit card hacking, you know, um, what's like the best deal right now that you know of? Where would you, where would you tell someone to start? Yeah, it's the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Um, it's the best deal. It's the best sign-up bonus that they have ever offered with that card, um, and it's since its inception. So um, it's a hundred thousand bonus points um, by spending three thousand in the first three months. Um, Do they have a business card I, version of that one or no? Uh, no, they don't. Um, the the Chase Business is the the best business card through Chase. I would say is the Inc. Um, Chase Business Inc. But uh, there, there's actually, a, you know, if you want to take it a whole nother level, um, uh, there's, you can actually get, you're, you're not supposed to have both Chase Reserve or Chase Sapphire cards at the same time, mm-hmm. Chase Sapphire Preferred and Chase Sapphire Reserve. But they have this, uh, I guess, this hack. It's called the Modified Double Dip. You can look it up online where if you sign up for the Chase Sapphire Preferred on one day, sign up for the chase sapphire reserve on the very next day you can actually get both credit cards at the same time to get both sign up bonuses really Um, yeah so that's uh and i actually just did that um i had the chase sapphire reserve for a couple years canceled it i downgraded it to the freedom and then waited a billing cycle and then got the seat this chase sapphire preferred and then the reserve right after the very next day. So I actually got both cards in my possession right now, working to get the sign-up bonuses for both. So that, and that'll equate to about two grand in travel. That's tight. That's cool. Yeah, I was digging around in my back here. I have the Chase Sapphire. I think it's the preferred. So you're saying I could cancel that, do what you did, be like an ultra hacker, and go get the reserve and the preferred. You get a hundred thousand for each, so two hundred thousand points. So it's a hundred thousand for the preferred right now, um, and then it's, uh, it's either sixty or eighty for the reserve. That's awesome. Yeah. So one of the, you know, something that I was thinking about recently in terms of because I came aware, I became aware of a tax credit um, that still I think is one of the most under utilized and unknown aspects of the cares act uh that the government signed into law like which by the way it's crazy the the amount of money that's being funneled into the economy through things like the cares act and these stimulus packages right um i think there's this assumption made that oh yeah the cpas like they're probably apprised of everything they probably know everything or like you know the mainstream voices that i'm hearing about like if it's a big deal, I'll hear about it because it's like, you know, the mainstream stuff, the importance of it rises to the top. And what's becoming more and more apparent to me is that that's not the case. It's not a safe assumption to take. Like, 
what I'm really getting at is like game changers, like amazing tools or credits or programs or you know hacks, as you would say, um, are often very not mainstream and like people don't talk about it. I think you know certain things in in the game of like accruing wealth and investing. A lot of things people don't want to talk about it. They just don't care to share the gold with everyone necessarily, right? Um, and so that's the value of masterminding with people, having conversations like this one. You know, there's things that you just wouldn't uh, otherwise hear if you just chalk it up to like, well, I'll just count on you know the mainstream voices to let me know. I'm going to wait till it's if it's a big deal, it'll be it'll be mainstream knowledge. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that in terms of something that you you had said. It's like it's these it's these hacks. So I'll remember in a yeah. second where I was tying that to. But no, yeah, that's that's certainly not the case. Like you, your your CPA or or the quote professionals um, don't assume that they know everything that would be best for you, right? I, I've actually coached my CPA on a couple things that. You know, I like, Hey, could we be taking advantage of this or this and in this way? Um, and, and it's really healthy to bounce and, and to challenge, bounce ideas off of and to challenge the direction that you get from these professionals in there. I mean, of course they, they have the training, the experience, but sure. um, you could provide a new perspective that they never once had previously. Oh, and in, yeah. Well, and, and in a climate where so many things are changing so quickly, as a result of something like the coronavirus and all the, you know, policies and and laws that are created as a byproduct of that, you can't expect people who are already busy, like we're talking about CPAs right now, but like people that are like CPAs that are already busy already have a full plate and clients that they're dealing with, to have the bandwidth to go and find all these really you know niche, uh, creative things that exist out there. So you know, our appeal to authority can be a major blind spot. It's like, oh, my, my CPA, man, he's never let me down. He knows it all. He doesn't know it all. Um, you know, just recently, so I became aware of this credit I was re- referring to. It's called the ERC, the Employee Retention Credit. And everyone's heard of the the PPP, the Payment, the, the payment Protection Program, but very few people had heard of this ERC. And so I started referring certain clients and certain people to it. And uh, I had one friend who his CFO... Of their company was kind of offended. It's like, no, this is not what you think it is. There isn't money here. We already got the PPP. This isn't a thing. And it was a little bit uh, kind of challenging his his position to say that no, there's actually a lot more money here. And when all said and done, there was a little bit of push and pull, you know. And I had already just made the referral to a to a CPA that kind of specializes in this particular credit. But anyway, this buddy and his company, they're getting a million dollars. It's not a loan. It's a refundable credit. They're just issued a million dollars. And it's like, that's crazy, man. But there's, there's things like that all over the place in the game because this is all a game, you know? And so I think it takes a person who's willing to be curious, willing to have the conversations to figure things out um, and to just not make those blanket assumptions like I've been guilty of making that like, you know, ah, if something's that good, it'll come knocking on my door, right? Yeah. I'll be willing to yep. go out and find these things. So that's cool, man. Um, okay. Well, let's see, Craig. So I want to ask you, just since you touched on uh, books and 
uh, rich dad, poor dad being kind of a catalyst that got you thinking and, and acting down the road of real estate. Um, is there another book that you'd point to that's been fundamental for you in getting the psychology to match the the skills and stretch your mindset to having these these big visions of your future and retiring at 40 and all this? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, is definitely the, the top there. Um, I haven't read it in, in a while, but man, it's yeah, completely changed my mindset. Um, there in, in diving into, um, you know, the, the, the other book that comes to mind, I actually just recently finished is the simple path to wealth, um, mm-hmm. by JL Collins. Uh, it's, it's really on, it's basically dead simple invest in index funds, um, in, in, in one, <laughs> one index fund and, and you're pretty much covered. Uh, and, uh, that one was, was pretty, uh, you know, that, that has shaped my investing strategy and, you know, 401k, IRA, things like that. But in so terms of, say, uh, does he just say throw money in the S and P 500 and forget about it and you're done pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, use fidelity or Vanguard and, and throw money into the, the total stock, uh, total stock market fund and you're, you're pretty much good to go. Um, so anyways, uh, I would say, you know, there's, there's a couple others that, that I've read. Um, I mean, can't hurt me by David Goggins, uh, really just in terms of having the right mindset, uh, to be successful in life. I know that he, he focuses quite a bit on the, on the physical side. And, uh, but again, just having that mentality to take on the world, not, you know, don't care about what other people think. Um, and, and just go for it, right. Plan your day out, uh, like it's a, you know, a 24 hour mission as what, what he calls it, uh, and, and really take on the day. I mean, that one really had a huge impression on me. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any other books that you do. Are are you in, uh, are you into endurance sports? Um, have you done any races? Not really. No, no, I haven't done any races. Um, I, I actually prefer, I play golf. I play tennis. Um, I actually just went mountain biking for the first time last week. Absolutely Mm -hmm. loved it. Um, but, but yeah, like it's, it's a goal of mine to, you know, run a marathon or do a triathlon. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely there on the forefront of my mind to to take down those. Yeah reason I ask is, uh, you know, if you ever, if you listen to David Goggins stuff, it just kind of leads you to running outside. Like you just feel like yep. you have to go run right now. Yeah. I remember listening yep. <laughs> to, uh, living with a seal a few years ago. Have you read that or heard that? No. So yeah. I've, I've heard of the book. Do you know um, the premise? It's crazy. Yeah, so yeah. Jesse Itzler hires, you know, David Goggins to live with him and yep. under the, under the understanding that uh, Jesse will do anything and everything that David Goggins asks him to do. But yeah, I just remember like not being able to contain the urge to go run, like just run outside, run right now, just run all of my excuses and weaknesses out of me, man. So he definitely is uh, a powerful voice for that kind of a mentality though. So that's cool. That's great, man. Um, well, thanks for, for being willing to chat with me, man. I think it's inspiring what you're doing and, doing from a young age and uh, 
and that you have clarity on where you want to go with it. You know, part of my mission is um, helping entrepreneurial millennial family men, you know, like us, get clarity on what we want. And so few people know what they want. And it's actually a pretty uncomfortable question to pose to somebody, hey, what do you want? And then just be quiet and listen um, because it exposes the fact that you know, so often we're so focused on the short-term tasks and call of the day that beyond that, thinking in terms of what do I want, it, it's a scary void. So, um, and not to say that, you know, you know what you want in every area of your life. I haven't, you know, interviewed you or fleshed you out of that and we won't, but uh, to know where you are going and what you want out of the financial realm and your investing game, I think is really cool and inspiring and, uh, and something that, that everyone listening could take, could take note of. So um, yeah, man, well, I appreciate you chatting with me. You've got me thinking about some credit card hacking now. Got me thinking about going and buying a little house in Indianapolis with you. Um, that's all great stuff. And so uh, maybe just wrap us up here with your thoughts uh, on being a family man in 2021 and being a dad to young kids. Um, what what is your vision for the for the future of the lively home? You guys think you're going to have a bunch of kids? What was the plan? Um, yeah, so the, the plan is to have uh, more than two. Um, I would say, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we'd get to five. Who knows? I'm not going to put a number on it. Um, but uh, I mean, it's uh, not my decision, right? It's a, it's a, it's a joint one. But yeah, we, we don't really have a, a number set in mind. But the, the goal is, is really, you know, the, the whole reason why I want to be financially independent or have this goal to be retired by 40 um, is so that I could have as much time as I can in raising my two boys and, and helping them live the best life possible. Um, and, and spending time with my wife. I mean, you know, it's working from home in 2020 and, and now, you know, still working from home. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. I, I feel like um, it's. I, I always try to have the mindset that you know life is good. It's you know my my dad always would tell me that, and um, you know even when you don't have all the material things or you don't have everything at your disposal, right? Um, but but yeah, just truly recognizing each day. Hey, you know what? Life is good. And, and figuring out what makes life good and, and recognizing those things. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. I, I'm still learning. Uh, and uh, I, of course, don't do it every day. But I think it's something that, you know, has, has helped me be happier, um, have, have the right mindset as I'm going through my, my job or investments or being with my family. Um, that's uh yeah i i just want to make sure they're living the best life that they can my, my kids and my wife um and that's pretty much the whole idea behind doing all of these uh financial ventures and and, and side hustles and whatnot that's awesome man that's great i appreciate that and uh 
Yeah, I think a lot about legacy and what kind of legacy do we want to leave? And I think, you know, just you being the kind of person that you are that approaches life as life is good, you know, that in and of itself can and will be, I'm sure, a legacy for your children to be like, you know, our dad, Craig, man, he just always told us life was good. And uh, it's those type of things that I think contribute to a family culture. You know, I think a lot about family culture as our kids are starting to get, you know, a little older and uh, older in the sense that like now they can all talk to us except for one, you know, like they're actually like, you know, people now, not just babies. Um, and thinking about what is our family culture and so much of what the family culture is, is the way that the leaders of the family, the mom and the dad live their life. And, um, you know, we've thought about that because we thought, well, what, you know, we've had conversations about what's our family culture. We want to have like family motto, family theme, you know, what are the standards What are the Martinson standards, you know, and, uh, it's become clear to me that, uh, your culture is not what you preach, but what you do. And so they just watch and absorb everything that mom and dad are doing. So, um, yeah. So what I'm saying is even if you didn't have an explicit, our culture is that we see that life is good. It's like you set and create that culture, uh, silently by living that way, you know, and what a great thing for kids to believe about life growing up in this day and age, because, um, you know, there's a lot of individuals and families, frankly, that don't have that culture. They don't have a culture that life is good. You know, you might have a culture that, Hey, life is tough, but we're really tactile or we're tactical. We're going to figure it out. You know, it's not as, as wholesome or powerful as a, a life is actually good. Um, so, and I sense that from you. So that's great, man. Um, well, thanks for, for the chat and contributing to, uh, you know, what it is that I'm trying to create, which is just trying to put interesting and, uh, educational and uplifting content out there for men like us that are trying to get to the next level, trying to work around their interference that exists in their life. Um, for a lot of guys, there's interference in the realm of finances and the future and, and creating wealth. And so hearing stories from someone like you, that's figuring that out and making moves, um, could certainly be a catalyst to, to someone making their own moves and and figuring it out for themselves. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've you know, been following, uh, following you for a while now. Um, I consider you a mentor. I mean, like a lot of people think, Oh, I need to find a mentor. I need to, you know, really, how do you find a mentor? What's the best way to do that? Or they, they really overthink it in my opinion, where you can find a mentor just as easily, just, getting on Instagram and hitting the follow button and mm -hmm. believing and acting on what these people say that you inspire you. Right. And, you know, so that's why I consider you to be a mentor of mine where you're putting out this, this content and, and these things and the, the podcasts and, um, you know, your, your branding and this and that it's, uh, it's definitely inspired me to be better. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for everything you do. Yeah, man. Well, I really appreciate that big time. So, Hey, we'll talk again soon. This has been great. Yeah. Progress awesome, the relationship man. big time today. <laughs> so. Yep. Okay. Appreciate it, man. Thanks again, brother. Till the All next right. time. Thanks, Craig. See ya. See ya.